Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Also, I'm Kay Jinks. I'm Brody Lancaster. And just like Bethany Franklin, Jill Zarin, <laughs> we're back together for the first time alone since t- 2010. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Let's talk about Bobby. Oh, the girls are potting together. Yeah. Be- when Bethany promises unfiltered and unedited, I don't think she realizes that is like a threat. Yeah, that's not what we want. No. But luckily for anyone who is going to listen to Bethany Frankel's podcast, she has about seven minutes of ads for every one minute of... Does she? Jill, Bethany, what's that? What do you call this? You know. (laughs) I have to say, I haven't listened to any of Bethany's Skinny Girl podcasts. I've tried. And it's not... Look, it's not a a frequent listen, but I am going to listen to her and Jill, the fucking sensory nightmare that will Mm. be those two reuniting to talk about the new... I think they're talking about the new season of Roni. The jealousy that Luann and Sonia got a spinoff and... Um, you know, they're not on legacy. I'm sure we'll jump out. I'm sure. Have you started watching crappy Lake? I've watched the first two episodes. Yeah. Same. It's anything but crappy. It's look, um, when I first started, I thought, Oh, I don't know if I can really get through this. And end of the first episode, I was like, they've done a good job. These ladies. I checked how long was left in the first episode after it felt like it had been on for about three minutes and there was a minute left. It's the shortest show that's ever existed. It's so short. It's like a. It's like it should have been on Quibi, you know. Yes. Like R.I.P. R.I.P. to a queen. But like, I'm learning how to flirt watching Luann and Sonia in <laughs> Crappy Lake. What by taking men's tops off in bars and then stapling them to the ceiling? It's more that Sonia said to that man, like, "If you take your top off, I'm going to lose it or I'm going to freak out." I was like. I feel like I could say that to someone and it'd be like successful. Also Luann, like walking into a gym with a firefighter and just going, so you like to party? <laughs> oh God. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to Crappy Lake is, uh, is on Hey You, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, I mean, it is, it but is. like, I guess we have to use Hey You. Yeah. It's a real treat. I don't know. There'll probably be like four episodes of it. I can't imagine Sonia and Lou really like stuck to a schedule. Yeah. It's extremely waiting for Guffman in parts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they're doing the variety show. They're so offended that the man in charge of the small communities variety show is straight. <laughs> and like, aren't we all? 
all. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. The little girl doing an interpretive dance dressed as um, Jigsaw from the Saw movie. Yeah. Look, I've not seen the Saw films, and but I recognised that scary little clown thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it, but I also adored it. If you know yeah. what I mean, it's gives and just like that, where it's not a it's not a great <laughs> show, it's not a good show, but, but I want to watch it for the rest of my life. Absolutely, yeah. Are you keeping up with and just like that, Jinxie? You know I am. Yeah, of course you are. But I mean, am I doing it like gleefully? TBD. Sometimes I am. Mm-hmm. We've watched. So by the time this episode comes out, there will be an episode six. But when we're recording, there's only been five episodes. So we're halfway through the season. Oh, which is wow, already strange. Well, that feels. Oh God, I'm actually quite saddened by that. Like, is the narrative thread running through this seat? Last year, it was you know, last season, it was the grief of mm-hmm. Carrie losing big. Is it Miranda and Che this season? The grief that Shay is still on the show. <laughs> the grief that of Miranda's entire existence. <laughs> yeah, look, it's that's not good. I think we should probably do a full, fi- like season recap kind of situation in a couple of weeks when it comes out. What end of August? I think you said. Yeah, I think like mid August. So we'll be at the movies at MIF. Yeah, but then we'll, we can do yeah just after the season ends. I think we can do a full recap of the phone call and the Aiden and all of this that we haven't watched yet. Yeah. I actually um, was served a spoiler for the finale, which I will not say on air. I'm certainly not telling anybody what it is because I don't want anyone else to have the spoiler, but I'm so intrigued as to whether this is correct or not. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I just need to say, we haven't talked about, and just like that since episode two, episode three, AKA chapter three, Carrie recording her audio (laughs) book. It speaking as, as someone from audiobook recording experience, she now it nailed it. The show nailed it. It was exactly as embarrassing and like if COVID had existed when I had to do that, I would have faked it to get out of that experience. Wow. I think it was like three full weekends, full days, Saturdays and Sundays for <sighs> three weekends in a row that I had to go to Port Melbourne <laughs> to a recording studio and like, you know how Carrie was like, oh, this feels really clunky saying it out loud. Can I change it and make it? And they were like, no, it has to be exactly right. That's I've, I've heard some people say that that's not accurate. It fully is because there's some technology where like if people are on their Kindles and then jumping to Audible, it like has to pick up the exact, exact word words. that you huh. that you left off at. Hmm. And there was just like a weird engineer in the other room listening to you like read aloud emotional weird personal stuff and then being like cool can we just take that from the top the bit where you talk about your parents (laughs) it's so cringe and so you know um michael patrick king getting it right yeah nailed that okay part of the female experience (laughs) wow that's good to know yeah yeah He's not nailing a lot, but that's that's. I'm glad that he's nailing something. Yeah. Look, I actually really liked the latest episode, the Halloween episode. I thought it was very fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I still have a lot of notes, but it was very fun. My favorite so far. Rock getting street casted for a Ralph Lauren photo shoot. Perfect. Oh, it made a lot of sense. No notes. And I loved Charlotte as the teen Ralph Lauren model. It worked. Yeah. It worked. It was the perfect. Mall, it worked. But just like season one, I think I said the same thing in like the first episode maybe of see also but like the calendar of this show is so bizarre Mm. episode three or four the kids were getting shipped off to summer camp Mm -hmm. episode five it's halloween Mm -hmm. so it's like a five month four month time jump and i'm now at the point of like by the time kim cattrall like calls in for her like zoom appearance in episode 10 or whatever is she going to be like, happy new year. It's 2025, everyone. Well, it's definitely going to have to be a Christmas or new year's episode or winter, full winter episode, this next one, because we've already seen all the winter outfits. Yes. Yes. That puffer mm. dress. Can't wait to see that. But like, that means Miranda has been living with Stephen Brady for like months. Yeah. And months. only just shopping for a bed. So odd. That was an odd scene. Miranda, you've got money, bitch. She, I know. You could get a koala. Get a koala. You can jump on them and a wine glass won't spill, famously. And, oh, she doesn't drink wine. A no. Gl- a water glass. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can have some of Luann's frosé or fosé. We need Luann on the show. 
Do we be L- a... Luana's Miranda sponsor. Do we? I, I don't... Luann... They both have annoying teen children. Luann is one of those people where I just think, you are like this without drinking. I can't, I could, I, I can't even imagine being around her when she was. Luann might be the only person who could bring Shay Diaz <laughs> down a peg because their egos would just, they would combust, both of them. Sonia would fuck Shay. <laughs> Sonia has fucked Shay. I think, uh, yeah, Sonia tried to invite Shay to one of her gay Wednesdays. Shay Diaz broke Sonia Morgan's sink, remember, when she, like, had the plumber and she yes. was like, I got railed on the sink and it broke. That's right. Yeah. That was Shay. <laughs> that was Shay. That was Shay. Um, but, like, at this point, okay, my uh, the, the criticism of Shay Diaz are, are many, but at this point I think my main one is... Like, Shay feels like a hologram. Shay feels like Fight Club to me because none of the rest of them acknowledge Shay's existence. Well, Carrie does. They but speak like, on the phone. But, like, if Miranda's at brunch with the girls and they're all talking about, you know, uh, Harry not coming on Charlotte's tits and, like, Steve boxing and whatever, Miranda doesn't contribute. There's, like, no. there's nothing about her and Shay's relationship that is, like, I don't know, worth sharing or that she wants to share or anything. No. That's the part of it that rings the most hollow now to me. I'm like, this is, it's not a fuck buddy. This is by all accounts, like a committed relationship, question mark. Mm. You know? I do know. Anyway, where are you at with the girls? Uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm enjoying, I, I look forward to that episode like a, Pathetic little thing that I am. Um, and I, you know, I watch with reservations, obviously, but uh-huh. that's fine and to be expected. I'd really like Miranda to get her brain back. And I, that has nothing to do with Shay. I think it's just she's going to enter into some kind of single life, um, which I think will be great. I just am enjoying Bill. Oh, absolutely. I had someone try to make dinner plans with me for next Thursday and I was like, can we do Wednesday instead? Yes, yeah, sorry. I need to be home on Thursday night. I am biz. I've got prior commitments with a few a few people <laughs> yeah. you've definitely heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you're watching at the moment? I mean, I'm going deep on Love Island. Okay. Um, the car- As you tend to do. Yeah. The season that's airing now is up to episode like 45. <laughs> 45. So it's nearing the end. But mm-hmm. as I waited in, for new episodes to come out every, every day, I had to wait every day. Um, I have gone back to catch up on a little season called season five of Love Island that aired in 2019. And it is so perfect. So excellent. It did bring the world a little someone called Molly Mae Haig, who <laughs> no. you are familiar with Molly Mae only through image and description only because she is the kind of the queen of the beige fluencer. Oh, beige fluencer. Okay. Yeah. So before she was a beige fluencer, she was fallen in love with Tommy Fury on Love Island 2019. Tommy Fury? He's a boxer. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I love them. Do you? I love both of them deeply. I can do, I can tell. He met her and there was no other woman in the world. <gasps> okay. He's the most earnest boxer you've ever met. Hmm. And she is all one color and that color is beige. So much more brown than her natural skin tone. Oh, right. Okay. But it's like that era, it, like 2019 is kind of the era before everyone had their lips done and everyone had, you know, the same kind of body and makeup. Mm-hmm. So like she's not contouring. She's just all one shade of brown and then with like pale pink lip. Like she looks British. Yeah, okay. And I love that. I love it. I'll look up a pic. (laughs) Yeah, look up a pic. She's also wearing colour in Love Island. And so are you just returning to that season because you love that season so much? Oh, I've never watched it before. Oh, okay, right, right, right. I've only only watched a handful of seasons of Love Island. Um, When it was first recommended to me, it was like season four, which was like the peak. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've watched the latest kind of recent ones as they've aired. So I'm going back because it is a huge commitment knowing how – how long a season goes for. And like, sometimes you get to episode 20 and you realize there's nothing here. There's no, there's no one in here who's interesting. Right. Whereas season five, it was great from 
the first second. Yeah, I thought you were like going back because it was one of your favorite seasons, like how I would watch Children of the Stones every year or something sure. like that. No. No, okay. It's my This is fresh. It's my SVU though. Ah, now you now I understand. I'm speaking your language. Now you are speaking my language yeah. and I understand. Thank you. <laughs> is that all that's on at the um Jinx Kumsma household? Hmm. Uh no. We are watching uh I watched all of that terrible show, Glamorous. What is Glamorous about? I had like a huge amount of admin to get done last Friday night and I managed to get through this entire thing. It's that, it's the show that Kim Cattrall is on instead of being on and just like that. That's all I know about it. That's pretty much the show. It's sort of like a genderqueer version of the bold type slash younger. So it's like there is a Elizabeth Arden style makeup brand one woman um and that's kim that's kim it's called glamorous by madeline something and i was supposed to say madeline sammy but madeline sammy does not have a glamorous (laughs) beauty line um and then there is this young person who is trying to get into like beauty influencing and works at the mall and then meets what's her name madeline moran whatever kim cattrall's name Miranda is Priestley is what you want that's to say. what i'm thinking yeah. of and so anyway he gets hired and it's all about like him not feeling good enough and blah sure. blah blah and everyone it's like every single person works at the company which is supposed to be like oh it's so old and boring and tired and we need to like revolutionize and step away from our classic style. Every single person who works at the company is queer. But it's supposed to be this outdated, like, yeah, it's expired like, why didn't anyone else brand? working at this company zhuzh it up before, like, this kid, Mario, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Is. But it's, yeah, and, like, it's, it's kind of fun. There are, like, lots of, like, P-Town parties. There's a lot of drag. It's a lot of, like, what is pride? It's actually just kink-shaming these days. It's, like... It's like that level of the queer experience. Yeah. So it's actually kind of fun. One of our friends, Nadia, actually uh, messaged me and said, like, should I watch it? And I was like, it's terrible. So, yes. I've seen every episode. (laughs) And I think that is the only way to describe this show. Yeah, great. Just let it wash over you. If you haven't done your tax yet. Put it on the background. All right. Well, that's my weekend sorted. There you go. Two years worth of tax. Don't tell the ATO. I am. Me too. And I'm also watching um, finally The Ultimatum, that lesbian dating show on Netflix. Okay, great. Pride Month continues uh, at your house. Show does never stops. I'm so proud all the time. Does The Ultimatum make you feel pride or shame? Oh, my God. It makes me feel a fair bit of shame. It makes me feel like marriage is never going to be in my life. It's essentially like what six couples who lesbian couples or like queer couples with women who one of them gives the other one an ultimatum of like either marry me or leave. And then they go and like meet all the other couples and then they all get like repaired off. Is that the idea? They all pick a trial wife. (gasps) That's the, that's That's the the language they use. Trial wife. It's like how I've never watched sister wives, but when they talk about like, no, she's the basement wife. Oh Jesus. Yeah. That sounds really barbarian. It's very, Um, Bo is afraid. The attic father. Uh, Yeah. So they all get, they pick a trial wife and then they live with the trial wife for three weeks and like have sex on camera, etc. Some of them. Did you ever watch the real L word? No, I actually never did. I probably should go and watch that. There was a lot of like they didn't realize how much of their sex on camera was. Yeah, going, this is like night vision stuff. This, yeah, same. Oh, I don't know. There's like one couple, and you see a bit too much, but they also have this giant dog on the bed, and no one ever gets the dog <laughs> off the bed, and it's like the bed is literally shaking, and the dog is also shaking. <laughs> funny anyway and then they have to go back to their original potential wife and decide whether they want to stay together or leave do they it's extremely it's just like processing yes constant constant processing it's quite funny (laughs) i'm imagining all of the like therapy speak that would be going on oh it's full therapy speak and it's like also like 23 year olds yeah (laughs) And you're like, why are you getting married? I tried to watch that show Tampa Bay's last oh. year. It was like, <laughs> it was 
was bizarre, but this kind of is giving me flashbacks to your description of, um, of trial wives is giving me flashbacks to Tampa Bay's because it was just like weirdly, ta- I, I guess not weirdly. I don't know this much about Tampa, Florida, but I guess it's like a lesbian enclave and this girl called Cuppy moved to town and she's like a nurse and it's like 2021. So it's like, I worked all the way through the pandemic and now I want to party. And like Cuppy looks Cuppy. like she should be on the Jersey shore. Okay. But also by way of kind of looking at too many photos of the Kardashians. So she's mm-hmm. kind of a bit, she's tiny. She's got huge tits. She's really curvy. She does, she's a nurse, but she's like the hottest ticket in town is Cuppy. And there's just all <laughs> these like established lesbian hierarchies. Oh. Like there's the two 22 year olds who like host all the parties at their house. And so they think that they're like at the top of the pyramid, but then they're, they're not. Oh, honeys, no. One of them has a real problem with alcohol. And then there's Cuppy, you know, it's, mm. it's really good. Oh, Actually, okay. it's bad. I couldn't get past two episodes. No, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm almost ultimatum. I'm up to they're back with their original potential wife. Um, and But it's like, you know, there are definitely some, I don't, yeah, look, it's, it's, there's a lot of intrigue, shall we say. And the host who only appears every so often, so you don't actually have any idea of the rules of the reality show, uh-huh. how long things are going to happen for, what they are like are and are not allowed to do, what jobs they have. Like you don't know anything. It's so weird, yeah. so badly made. But also the host looks a bit like a off-brand um, Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay, based on that description, it sounds like we're both watching Love okay. Island. <laughs> I think we are. I think we are. <laughs> Any thoughts on Troy Savan's Song of the Summer? Um, just that it's the Song of the Summer. Yeah, that's about it. Um, and it's perfect. I, not to be a straight woman appropriating a gay culture, but I want to pull that bottle of Amel out of the drawer, <laughs> go to circuit, shout out Smith Street. <laughs> yeah, fair. There was a, quite a good article in Vulture about it that was like bop or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's a bop, obviously. But someone who was interviewed said, to me, this song feels like a Tom of Finland drawing became music. Yes, it has a village people quality to it, but I also think it's interesting to see what happens when you streamline the camp of our gay tracks of yore and reduce them down to one singular emotion, horny. Love. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, the video opens with a slap of the butt. Yeah. I'm obsessed. All those center-parted little twinks. It's extremely Berlin. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Troy Sivan's Euro summer paid off. I'm happy for him. His Nepo siblings are having a field day on TikTok. They're loving it. Posting videos with the caption, this is my brother's song. Like, we all know that's why people follow you. We know. We know. It's giving Gemma Styles having a sunglasses brand. <laughs> Speaking of Troy's Euro summer, mm-hmm. have you seen this trend on TikTok? I've only seen it by way of my Twitter DMs uh, as a non-TikToker, but Americans revealing the hidden truths of Europe. Oh, um, are you talking about the girl who said, everyone who hyped up the Amalfi Coast didn't tell you the real story, which is that you've got to climb up steps and there's cobblestone streets and you can't fucking get anywhere. You have to take a ferry? With all your bags? Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, it's so good. And it's like, I thought it was a parody at first. And I was like, oh my God, no. No, Americans of that genre aren't capable of parody. It was great. And then I saw someone in the comments saying like, oh, honey, like you don't have to carry your own bags. You can hire people. And then the original poster was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't carry them like my boyfriend did and the concierge did, but I still had to walk. It's like, I, it's amazing. It's amazing. And also it's so unsurprising because when you see what these people's lives are like, you know, they're like, this is my day in the life. You know, it's like matcha latte, matching set, drive to get latte, drive to target, drive to pet store, drive to, home and then never leave your home again like no one <laughs> and then they edit that video i guess for the rest of the night i don't know what else they're doing <laughs> i don't know what 
they're doing either, but it's really amusing to me. The Amalfi Coast one is like so, so perfectly American because it's the subtext is the thing no one tells you about traveling is you have to travel. <laughs> it's like the journey is the thing, babe. But um, there was one other one and it was like a guy, an American guy in Paris and he was just like, Paris is filthy. Oh, yes. Everyone being like, um, I saved up my whole life and dreamed about coming here. And then they just filmed themselves on like fisheye lens arm out in front at the base of the Eiffel Tower <laughs> next to a bin with like scaffolding around them. And they're like, um, what, what's going on here? It's like, you're, you're at the bottom of a building. What do you expect? I know. They're like, there's dirt at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> that was my favorite bit. And, um, I also loved like the pigeons are disgusting. And then he had filmed himself on like, <laughs> filmed like the, uh, view while he was like on a speeding train and it's just graffiti and <laughs> there's text over the top of it that says I feel like I'm in the Middle East oh. <laughs> it's like fuck it's, me it's uh, totally outrageous yeah just this whole also like people go on holiday to the Middle, to the Middle East, East bro. but it's also like I have seen a fair amount of graffiti in America yeah, like have you have you ever left the city that you live in? Well, even the city that like my building in Fitzroy has graffiti a lot. Yeah, <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, it's yeah. yeah. Anyway, and then just like shots of it's him like at a nightclub. It's like flying to New York for the first time and like filming the like. I don't know, the freeway through Jamaica, Queens and being like, um, where's all the culture? Where's all the street art? Where's all the like bagel shops? Oh, anyway, it's really giving me life. It's like a hard couple of weeks at the moment in for me with work stuff. And, um, it's, yeah, it's really, I'm really enjoying it. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for these Americans having terrible times in Europe. I live for it. I think you're going to regret saying this because I now have an open door to send you your least favorite thing on the internet, which is videos. <laughs> yeah. My least favorite thing is videos. Yeah. Absolutely. But I now like I've, I think I saw all of these on my feed, on my TikTok algorithm. I saw them all. I'll take originally. them. Great. All right. Whatever you've got, They're I'll take them. away, baby. <laughs> The bear, BL, it's back, thank God. It's back, it's front, it's top to bottom, a joy. It's a joy. Truly, it is so nice to have the bear back. It is the bear back. That's funny. Um, So the bear has season two is back. Of course, it started in America and then Australia took a long time to catch up once more. I do not understand. Not as long as season one, I guess. No, true, true. Uh, So it's finally out in Australia. It's streaming all on Disney here. And we are going to get into spoiler territory with The Bear Season 2. So if you're not completely up to date, I'll just say you need to get up to date with this show because it is the most joyful thing. Not joyful. That's the wrong word. It's just, it's a really great show. Yeah. Until we get Severance back, it's our show of the year. (laughs) And maybe even after that, we don't know yet. Apart from the ultimatum, but yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. My mistake. (laughs) Um, Okay. Jinxie, what are your top kind of like takeaways feelings about this season? There's so much more bear than we got in season one. There is a lot more bear. I'm going to play the spoiler noise, check in the show notes to see where you need to fast forward up to if you do not want to be spoilt on the bear. Okay, where do we begin? I am feeling so many feelings about the bear season two. It, I was a little bit nervous about all the cameos because I remember you had seen it a little bit earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. There was only one cameo I didn't like. Oh my God, I can't wait to, well, uh, tell me. Sarah Paulson. Really? Yeah, I was like, she's taken me out. Mine was Jamie Lee. Huh, same episode. Mm. Hmm. Jamie Lee gets a second appearance, which I liked a lot more. Yeah. But that season, I mean, okay, so episode six, I thought it was going to be a seven episode season. Season one was eight episodes. And when by the time we got up to the Feast of the Seven Fishes episode, I was like, damn, they're really rushing this, uh, this restaurant opening, squeezing it all into one episode, um, giving us an hour long flashback to five Christmases ago. But yeah, once we got through like Bob Odenkirk, John Mulaney, uh, 
you know, obviously John Berenthal was back, like reprising his role as bear, like the, you know, Mikey, uh, Kami's older brother. Um, and you know, Gillian Jacobs finally appear, Gillian Jacobs finally appearing, like not just a voice on the phone, Sarah Paulson. And then by the time we saw Donna played by Jamie Lee Curtis, I think her, her portrayal of like alcoholic mother stressed at a family event, it was a little much. And then I, you know, I was listening to a podcast or reading some article where they, they posited that like, we're seeing her through Kami's eyes through like, this is the chaos that he's kind of like, has meant that he's chased control and structure and, and quiet in other areas of his life so much. And so the same way that like, we always see Claire, his love interest this season through this kind of rose colored she's always in close-up she's always looking out from under like a fringe somehow even though she doesn't really have bangs like oh it's she- <laughs> very like romeo and juliet under the covers you know every single shot though you yeah, know yeah um and so i was like okay so we're seeing jamie lee curtis through Carmi's eyes and then the next time we see her in episode 10 outside the restaurant talking to um abby elliott's partner who is just, I mean, oh, he's so good. <laughs> so good. So good. He's so great. Um, I was like, okay, I'm, I understand Donna more now that she's like looking at her children's success and being like, I'm going to ruin this for them. Yeah. I really liked her performance, you know, yeah. I have to say that sort of matriarch who's just can't keep up with everything and has so much shame and guilt internally and yeah. is not able to communicate and is also quite repressed. And yeah, I'd, I mean, I totally understand how it's, I mean, it's a very over the top OTT performance, but I mean, that's what she does. It's it's what our girl do. It's why we unfollowed on Instagram, <laughs> but um, I, I did really like this. I did really like, I think I just, was happy to, I don't know. I, I'm glad to have seen that peak inside their mm. earlier life. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked getting to spend that time with Mikey, yeah. John Berenthal. Yeah. Um, he has a real like Elliot Smith vibe about him. Yeah. And yeah, I just appreciated that a lot. I think he he's so perfectly cut, like his performance as, the cool, popular older brother who's always been the one that everyone looks up to, that everyone loves, that everyone invites to the party, who is so deeply hurt and dark and troubled and in like, you know, we know knowing what happens to him makes that mm. performance all the more kind of like effective and touching. Yeah. Okay. Can we go back to Paulson though? Like tell me your reactions I just felt like she was she'd just taken a day off from American Horror Story to appear in that episode like I just couldn't quite get there with her appearance like her cam I was just like oh this is one too many Mm. like I can handle John Mulaney in this episode I can handle Gillian Jacobs in this episode Bob Odenkirk I can I'm here yeah but I was like oh that's this is one too many is it because she was sitting there with her boyfriend? <laughs> a little. It's like I don't oh, buy so, it. No, I don't, don't buy understand it. it. Um, I love that she was like the cool cousin in New York who had like left Chicago. Yeah, and I liked what she said to Kami as mm. well. I don't know. There's just something in there that I was like, it took me out. Yeah, fair, fair. But enough. it was a beautiful episode. Yeah, it wasn't until the second because I've. I watched the season a second time. Oh, wow. And I just had to get back to episode seven and eight, especially with my faves, but we'll get there. <laughs> but I think the, the, the kind of reaction she has to Donna around the table that makes Jamie Lee Curtis flare up in the way that she does. Mm. Apparently that was improvised. Apparently Sarah huh. Paulson's kind of like, not really. Or like whatever that like line yeah. that sets Donna off again was completely like in that moment of like being around that table with all those actors. Yeah. I really liked the relationship. Didn't like it, but I thought it was well executed. The relationship between sugar and Donna Mm. and the way she kept saying like, are you okay? Or whatever the line was. And Donna just like, not like that was such a trigger for her. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was just so well done and sugar just kind of, can't stop asking it because she is genuinely very worried about her mom and obviously thinks that she is the only person at the table who can actually get through to her mom. Mm-hmm. But of course she can't because mm-hmm. they are 
not yeah Mm. compatible in that way and like the it made me realize that in season one she was always i think kami kind of sometimes treated her as a bit like a fly that he had to swat away Mm. because she was coming in and asking him to go to aa and like you know wanting him around more and and wanting to be present in his life and i'm pretty sure that was her she was always asking him how he was Mm. and you know after mikey died having to remind him that she was feeling that as well I loved that she had more of a solid role in this season as well. I think, what's her name? Abby Elliot. Abby Elliot. She's so good. I've never got her. Like, I. I what's, think, she, have you, what's she been in? I well, don't she know. She was her. an SNL cast member. Her dad, Chris Elliot, no. was. Oh my God, her daddy's Chris Elliot, yeah. cabin boy? Yeah. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. So she was kind of a SNL Nepo baby. Oh my God. I cannot believe that. I can believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So she never hit for me on SNL. I kind of, she was kind of one of my least favorite parts of that era. Like when she left, I was kind of like, great. I don't have to watch it. This makes you sound like such a cunt, but like, I didn't really like her as a cast member on mm-hmm. SNL. Everything she's been in since, I mean, I'm, I'm coming up short, but I, she never hit for me. I was always kind of like, okay, Abby Elliott's trying a new thing. And it all <laughs> felt kind of samey. She makes so much sense on this show and mm. this role and this performance, especially this season. She got so much to do with like, um, you know, the kind of arc of the season is timed with her pregnancy almost and like just watching her come into her own as part of this team Mm -hmm. reluctantly and then just going all in especially in the finale and those scenes that she had with um the actor chris wataski who plays pete her fiance like my God. Tuna casserole. Gee, the tuna casserole. She was throwing that on the snow. Loved it. <laughs> but like, you know, by that finale episode when she's like wearing so much on her face mm. of like, she knows what will happen if her mom shows up, mm-hmm. but she still wants her there. She still wants that like relationship and approval. Yeah. And like, you know, that moment when the, it's the fire suppression test episode and they're mm-hmm. all watching that balloon and it flashes to what each member of the cast is thinking about. Mm-hmm. And hers is like her mother screaming and then her and Pete sitting on the couch watching TV together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I love them. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that character so much. Yeah. You mentioned Molly Gordon as Claire, Claire Bear, Claire Bear, the romantic interest. Um, I really like Molly Gordon a lot and mm. I liked the character in this a lot and I loved their scenes but I also felt like every time we spent too much time with them, I was like, what's Sydney doing? What's Iowa to Beery up to? Totally. What's like, Maddie Matheson doing? What are they doing? What's that fuck up to? You yeah, know, like, yeah. I was like, okay, this is not why I'm watching this show, which yeah. is so such a ridiculous thing as a viewer to place onto a show. Cause it's like, they're trying to get this well-rounded Kami character and they're trying to show that Kami has blocked out so much of his personal life for, his career, like I, I understand all that, but I couldn't help but still be like, okay, but yeah, sure. Like, is Sydney going to another restaurant today? Can we follow along? Yeah, how's the chaos menu coming, guys? What's on the whiteboard? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, sold any denim lately? <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel for Molly Gordon because I think that that's the consensus with Claire mm. is that um, before I'd even watch this season, I saw like you know, reaction gifts of people like hitting the skip button being like, every time I see a Claire scene and like, she had a difficult task, I think also because so much of the first season, they made such a point to be like, there's no romantic subplot. It's a whole season of a prestige show with not a single kiss in it, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, I think to make so much of not having that and then to make that a thread running through season two is tricky and I don't know that Claire is the most well-written character. I think some of it leans into like manic pixie territory a little like there's this creator on TikTok whose name's like Delaney something. And she does this. I find them quite cringe, but she does these kind of sketches that are like she's the. Don't send me these ones. I won't. She's like she does bits that are basically like I'm the, you know, the, the quirky love interest in every romantic comedy. And she's basically doing Claire Bear, which is tough. It is tough. 
what's tougher for me is people shipping Kami and Sydney. Oh, what? No. There's a real, there's a, Jinxie, uh, the, the quadrant of viewers of this show who don't understand the relationship that they're watching. And, oh my God. And do they just, think that they're going to end up together? People are reading romance in Kami and Sydney and like furious that there's no. nothing happening. No. It's, I'm like, is it not so much more satisfying, pleasurable, like entertaining and interesting to like watch these two characters, like figure out if they can like make things together and like rely on each other and like fuck up and like forgive one another. Like, you know, there's the, there's that scene where like Kami's having a panic attack Mm -hmm. and he's thinking about Claire and all the ways that he might fuck up this thing that matters so much to him in this relationship. And then there are flashes of Sydney, like walking into the room and like working, you know, visions of Sydney. There are fans of the show who are like, yeah, Claire makes him feel panicked and Sydney makes him feel happy and calm. Oh. But it's like, no, but she like Sydney and here that have found like, you know, kind of twin flames in one another mm. in like a platonic sense. And like, I just, I just find it so interesting because like we've seen all this darkness come out of Kami and when it's, when it's aimed at Sydney, it's like the worst version of himself. It and, really is. And that's the part of him that makes him go, oh, fuck. Oh, like I'm, yeah, I've, I'm a monster because it's this person that I'm directing all mm-hmm. of this internal shit at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I didn't. I've never yeah. heard that. That's great. That's I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't like, like it. it. I do like the little seeds planted for Marcus and Sydney because I find Lionel Boyce really hot. I just want him to pash someone. Yeah. But I don't know. Sydney and her cool jackets could could never be in a relationship on this show, and I'd still be fascinated. Still want to watch everything she's got to do. She was styled so well this season. <laughs> like I know Kami in the white shirt, etc. But. Wow, Sydney's character was done well. She wore that like toile print, like structured kind of quilted jacket last season when he texted her to be like too much acid after their big fight. And then this season she had a different kind of like blanket coat. And mm-hmm. I was like, I love that this is part of Sydney's look is yeah. like a a boxy cropped jacket. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. It's kind of like a elevated chore coat situation for her yeah yeah and i dig that and seasonally appropriate <laughs> yes um it's just like my favorite what's her name nancy silverton oh yeah wearing her comme de garçon in the kitchen Oof, i didn't know she did that oh you've got to watch chef's table with her she's she's a dream I love she's just nancy. like head to toe in like white calm with like a million hairpins oh. and not just not giving a fuck it's yeah it's beautiful well that moment when when Sydney sees Kami's, you know, embroidered chef's whites and says Mm -hmm. like, God, it must've felt really good to wear that. Yeah. And then she, the moment she puts on the Tom Brown and like walks out to like deliver the menu at the first, you know, friends and family night, no Gavones at friends and family. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the Tom Brown? Loved. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing is I've listened to how long gone Uh and I've watched uh, you know, photo shoots and seen photo shoots with Ao and Jeremy Allen White in Tom Brown. So I know that it's like kind of a brand partnership. Sure. But also I like to imagine that Kami's New York connections, like his connections that are seeded throughout the season with like Chef Terry and Copenhagen and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, okay. Kami's got to connect. Yeah. At- at Tom I, Brown in I, New York. Of course he does. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's got to connect everywhere. He's sending his like protégés far and wide in yeah. this season, which is another thing that I particularly loved. Marcus going to Copenhagen oh. for the lot, like not Noma, but Noma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was great. Tweezer desserts. Tweezer desserts. I really enjoyed that. And I thought Will Poulter was very good. And I was hot for him for the first time ever. I've always found him quite like. He's an internet boyfriend. I just think of him as an asshole from Midsummer. Yeah. He's I, the one that like as soon as he appears on screen, you're like, kill him. Die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I got him as like a hunk huh. in this because he was like, I don't know, disciplined. It's and- the accent. <laughs> it's the accent. It's also like in the scenes with Marcus, you know, instructing him how to make. They were gelée. very nice. Yeah. And also, of course, Eber must backrack. God. What a season. That was a good episode. Episode I, seven. I feel like he is just 
about to have some kind of tense breakdown at all times. Yeah. He is so good yeah. at that. I mean, yeah. he was taught well when from his marriage to Marnie and girls. Yeah. <laughs> Always being on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> How to handle difficult personalities. <laughs> Absolutely. And then he learned some hospitality yeah. after that. I really liked that episode a lot. It also, like, it was such... It was so much growth for one character in the space of an episode that took place over a week, mm-hmm. but it also fit, you know, like every, every thing that he did in the first season was either defensive over his relationship to Mikey and the family and the shop, but also like his place in the world, his marriage breakdown, his, you know, role as a father. And he, what am I trying to say? And the idea that he was like striving for something for like purpose or mm. for something to like define himself by, it was like, so all, all on his face, all over the surface, you know, yeah. it wasn't unbelievable that he would go from Richie in his leather jacket to like, you know, reading the hospitality book by the guy from 11 Madison Park, who's <laughs> yeah. married to Christina Tozzi. Um, and he got Taylor Swift tickets. He and I both got Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, that that entirety of episode seven. I mean, on my second watch, knowing what was coming, you know, the moment where he like fla- it, we get a flash of what's happening at the bear where he calls Carmen. He's like, I know you just did this to get rid of me. And by the end, when Olivia Coleman, when Olivia Coleman showed up, I was pleased. I was really Chef pleased. Terry. Chef I enjoyed Chef Terry, Terry very much. Peeling the mushrooms. So I liked all of that. Me too. I loved it. Yeah. Sarah Ramos shout out was incredible in that episode as Jessica. I love the soundtrack of this season, but all of the Spotify playlists that I have been listening to don't have Love Story by Taylor Swift on them, which <laughs> is Telling. a real absence. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the playlists are very good. We'll link to them in the show notes of season two. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene in pretty much, I can't even remember which episode it was, but Fak is in the background talking <laughs> and you can just say. hear him explaining the, the band, re- The Replacements. Yes. And I was watching with Zoe and I was just like, he's talking about the replacements. He's just talking about there. And I was, and she was like, okay, calm yeah, down. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, are they just going to start playing? That makes so much sense. Like, yeah. is there going to be a cameo? Like yeah. I just, my mind ran wild. And then at the end of the episode, you hear can't hardly wait. It was perfect. It was so good. And then you know what, BL? What? I went into work the next day and I work above a really weird British like tavern (laughs) and they were blaring Can't Hardly Wait Up the Stairwell. Love that. Yeah, I've been listening to that song so much lately as well. So it was kind of, I feel like I'm being haunted by the replacements. Yeah. So I was very pleased (laughs) with that moment. There are worse things to be haunted by. Great song, great movie. Can't Hardly Wait. That reminds me of that kind of idea of an actor just talking about something in the background. Love it. There's a bit at the start of The Hangover, a movie I don't love. I haven't seen it. Where Zach Galifianakis is talking about like, yeah, it's me, the guy from Cheers and that little weird guy. And I'm like, is he describing Bored to Death? Oh, like because it was him, Jason Schwartzman and Ted Danson were the stars of Bored to Death, which started airing just after The Hangover came out, I think. How funny. I was like, was this just out of character, like just talking about his next gig? (laughs) That's great. I my favorite one would be um, Amy Sedaris in Elf, where she is (laughs) telling her friend or her sister on the phone that she doesn't declaw kittens anymore. And then she's like, no, okay, just drop them over. It's like the dumbest bit of ad lib in any film, but it's my favorite. I love that. Um, Speaking of Maddie Matheson, I mean, he's, he's a dream this whole season. He did such a good job. He and Abby Elliott's like his fac and sugars, you know, relationship. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. But also when he wants to invite his sister to friends and family and she's like, Francie fac. After what she did, I was like, what did she do? Yeah, season three bottle episode, please. Totally. I need to see Francie because now that we've spent so much time with Fax's brother or cousin, the baseball trading cards Mm. in the Christmas episode, John Mulaney just watching them and being like, I like you guys. You're funny. Yeah. But Maddie Madison did an interview where he talked about like 
his nervousness on screen. He's like, it's genuine. I'm learning how to act. I learn my lines phonetically. I don't know what I'm doing. And they sit me between Bob Odenkirk and like John Berenthal at this family table. He's doing a fucking bang up job. He's doing so good. And I'm pretty sure having watched his, the architectural digest tour of his restaurant in Toronto, I'm pretty sure it was like on the mood board for the bear. For the I way hope that's it ended up. See also because I want to see that. Oh yeah, it is. I'll put the link in the show notes. I've got a lot of see also's for the bear. I bet. <laughs> Been watching and reading everything. I don't have a link to Kami's cable knit sweater that he wears to an AA meeting in like one of the first that's episodes. A nice one is really cute. Mm. He looks great. Tina, Tina's arc this season from kind of like resistant to Sydney coming in and changing stuff in season one to like at the end of season two, episode one, when Sydney realizes, oh, if I'm going to hire a sous chef, I want it to be Tina and her face. (laughs) Tina at karaoke. Tina at karaoke. Melted my goddamn heart. Tina seeing Evan Moss Backrack in that black suit where he's like, yeah, I wear suits now. And she's like, you wear them well, Papa. (laughs) I feel like that was me last year. I wear suits now. (laughs) (laughs) You've learned the meaning of hospitality. Pre-tar, pre-tar. I mean, the omelette. Loved the I'm omelet. just listing things that I loved now. My favorite, okay, your favorite moment was the replacement spit. My favorite moment was also like a musical cue at the end of episode eight, which is the fire suppression episode. You know, they're all standing there figuring out if they're going to be able to open a restaurant. It's so tense. They're all thinking about what they sacrificed or what is meaningful to them. And then a flame comes on, a steak goes into a pan as uh, Throw Your Arms Around Me starts playing. There was so much of that. I cried both times I watched it. A steak going into a pan. I was like, they're cooking. They're cooking. But there was, a, so it's like a split ends, but there was a Crowded House song in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I enjoyed it. And of course, Strange Currencies running through. So much. R.E.M. basically soundtracked yeah. the season. Great. I texted a friend of ours the other day just saying like, my God, I'm really moving into some kind of graphic designer, mid forties, dad music era like that's And I am in my forties and was a graphic designer. I'm not a dad, but this whole playlist made me really happy. Yeah. It's so perfect. I mean the, yeah, the, it's not Bit dad much- rock. It's not yacht rock. It's somewhere really specific in the middle of like American heartland. Yes. But not Springsteen-y. No, it's definitely not Jersey. No. It's, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, there's maybe a touch too much Pearl Jam for moi, but you know, there always each is. to their own. There always is. Okay. Two other fun little details that I just had to make note of to share. One is that on my second watch of the season in the Christmas episode, Gillian Jacobs is wearing a shirt of Taylor Swift's 1989 album. Mm-hmm. So she has passed on that fandom to their daughter. I also learned last season that she's Chris Stora, the creator's uh, partner, forgot it, just like you forget that Jay Smith Cameron and Kenny Lonergan are together. What? Um, and, you know, the the tomato tins from season one, you know, realizing that Bob Odenkirk's character is like the third guy mm. with the dad and with Cicero. That was fun. And like all the books, Marcus's cookbooks, there's a really great article and this will take us into our see also's, but on Ida, Ken Concepcion, who works at um, Now Serving, the Los Angeles like food bookstore unpacks all of the books and like the set designer Eric Frankel also like read the article and was like hey here's some more of the books like Sydney and Kami have piles of books in their apartments so it's like very thoroughly annotated Mm, I loved the books in um Sugar's office oh yeah also that what was it coach coach K Coach K is leading with the heart. There is an interview with Maddie Matheson and Courtney Stora all about the seven fishes meals that they didn't get to show or eat in episode six on Vulture. That was really great. Vulture's been doing, as always, such good coverage of this season. They've got an interview with Chris Wataski about playing Pete as this like emotional heart of the show. Eben Moss Backrack was on How Long Gone, gave a really great interview. And Chris Stora was on The Watch, which I really liked. 
Sorry, Jinxie. I'm just reading from my notes. I'm loving it. I'm a big list of notes. Need to listen and read. Um, We talked about the soundtrack a little bit, but uh, Josh Senior, who's an executive producer on The Bear, talked to Salon about the show's soundtrack and talked about how REM essentially gave them the um, Scott Litt remix of Strange Currencies when they explained how they wanted to use it throughout the season as this kind of recurring motif. And also just a, a non-article related see also Melissa McCarthy, <laughs> the Melissa McCarthy movie, Life of the Party, the one vehicle directed by her husband that I don't think is derailing her career. You might disagree <laughs> after watching it. Stars Molly Gordon and Gillian Jacobs. And that's where they first worked together. Huh. That's how Chris Dora knew her and wanted to cast her from that. How cool. Yeah. Didn't know. It's a kooky movie. Kooky dookie, I need to see. I've never seen. Uh, I've got a few. Um, there is a great profile of Courtney Stora in Vanity Fair uh, called For the Bears Culinary Producer Courtney Stora Cooking is Therapy. That is just a really great read. She is wonderful. Uh, you should see Molly Gordon and Iowa Debiri in the film Theatre Camp. I believe it's out or is coming out soon in the States. Uh, it's the Myth Closing Night film and I believe it will be on elsewhere in Australia at some point. Uh, but you get to see Molly Gordon doing like what she does best and not through like a, there's no Vaseline on the lens in theater camp, if you know what I mean. Thank God. Uh, there is a good piece um, about Noma in the New York Times mm. uh, about it closing that we'll link to because it gives such a good overview of like that style of restaurant. I really love that piece. There is also, uh, my last one is a kitchen glossary that might be useful while you're mm. watching the bear. You can get like some deep insider info that is um, on GQ. Love that. I need to know what like four by four all day. <laughs> All right, it's time for also also's. My first one is at your feet right now, Jinxie. It's um, the Ovning rocking footrest from IKEA. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> yeah, it's a little like cu- kind of triangular cushion that I bought recently after watching a TikTok video that said that to um, take the pressure off your lower back, you need to sit with your knees below your hips when you're sitting at your desk, and so it helps me to do that to. Uh, Open those hips up, baby. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that's where we were going today. I love it. Where are you going today? Uh, uh, my first one is, look, it's a Canberra also. Interesting. Because Nan Golden's The Ballad of Sexual Dependency yes. is now open. It's on in Canberra at the NGA from the 8th of July to the 28th of January 2024. So there is time to plan that Canberra trip. That we've all been meaning to take. Absolutely. Uh, my next one is a play also. It's a card game called Yaniv. And I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. I'm sorry if I'm not. Uh, my friends invited me over for a night of martinis and cards recently, and it was so fun. I learned this game, got kind of addicted to it, and have been playing it on an app version ever since, waiting to host my own uh, follow-up card game night this week. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll link it in the show notes, as we always do with our also's, but um, yeah, I'm playing it on my phone at all times. It's not helping with my screen time at all. Of course, of course. (laughs) My next one, look, it's a watch also. I know we talked a lot about Miff last week, but, and there are a lot of people not living in Melbourne who are like, who does this help? But for you, I say, uh, you can watch Miff play. It's our online festival. Uh, It streams from the 18th of August to the 27th of August, and you can access it right across Australia. You do not have to be in Victoria. I've already got three picks for you for Miff play. It's Casa Susanna, fabulous documentary, The Face of the Jellyfish, really odd existential crisis movie, loved it, and great music doc, Little Richard, I Am Everything. Such good picks, Jinxie. My last one is a skin also. It's the smoothing lotion from CeraVe. It's like a body skincare product. Um, It's got hyaluronic acid. We know that helps your skin to uh, kind of be moisturized and plumped. It's got plumped. It's got salicylic acid and LHA, which is like gently exfoliating. But the key ingredient, and this is something that my pedicurist 
told me to look for in body skincare products is urea. Um, Excuse me. I saw a religious family on TikTok the other day and they named one of their kids Urea. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's spelled U-R-E-A and it's like it locks in moisture. It's like what you should look for in like foot care creams. But she also said in winter she puts it on her face. Okay. And it's just like from Chemist Warehouse. It's a CeraVe product. Love that. Love, Love a cheapie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one is an online also. There is a really beautiful online exhibition happening on Xavier Hufkin's uh, website. It's a beautiful gallery. Uh, it's called Fashion Clothes, People Pictures. It's a selection of Robert Mapplethorpe's work and it's curated by Charlie Porter. I think maybe Charlie Porter's book uh, about what artists wear wasn't also also at one point. If not, it should be. It's a fantastic book. Anyway, that's online free 20th of July to the 3rd of September. I think Jinxie and I both have a joint theatre also, which is if you're in Melbourne, go to the Malt House, see Ash Flanders' new play, This Is Living. We saw it separately over the last week and I fucking adored it. I loved it too. Ash is such a great writer. Such a good writer. There is a line where someone says they smell like hospital and I had to clarify (laughs) if it was a Jen Shah reference afterwards and Ash said, kind of. Yeah. Um, So he's really giving the people what they want. He's uh, lying to me just so that I can feel included. (laughs) I did think the same thing, you know. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't yet, pop over to iTunes give us five stars, write a little review and share the podcast with your friends. We're at see also podcast on Instagram. And thanks as ever to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our theme song. Bye. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.